The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter. And I'm going to invite you to be seated because it's important for you to know some background before we get into this reading today. So before this reading happens, Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. So that makes us think of Palm Sunday. So we know it's Holy Week. That means Jesus is coming very close to his crucifixion and death on the cross. And what happens before this reading, what leads up to these passages, is Jesus is kind of pushing things in that direction. So he comes into the temple and he overturns the tables of the money changers there. So he upsets the system of sacrifice, the religious system for that day. And it especially notes that he overturns the seats of those who sell doves. Who are the people that would buy doves? Anyone have any idea? Who could afford to buy doves? Only those experiencing the most poverty. That's the only thing they could afford. So when it especially mentions he overturns the seats of those who sell doves, I think it notes that Jesus is showing special care and concern for those experiencing poverty. So he upsets this system, and the money that came into that system sometimes was, was misused or exploited to support the religious leaders themselves. So Jesus upsets that system, and then he has those who are blind and lame come to him, and he heals them. And these people that weren't welcome before are suddenly welcome, and it's outside the way that the religious system would have it work. And so this upsets the religious leaders of the day. So we get to our reading today, and they're like, who gives you the authority to do these kinds of things? And I think it invites us to ask, what authority is it that we base our lives and our actions on? So here's the reading from Matthew chapter 21. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and did the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. So we have this question of authority. By what authority is Jesus doing these things and who gave it to him? Someone once pointed out that authority can only ever be given. Some people get authority because some people higher up have given it to them, like a boss. Others get authority because people allow or give them authority over them. It invites us to ask, what kinds of things do we allow to have authority in our lives? 
What things do we allow to have authority that maybe don't deserve it? The religious leaders find authority in their traditions. They also find authority in a system that keeps on benefiting them. Like, why would they want it to change? They're benefiting from the authority they have. Biblical scholar Emerson Powery, he talked about Jesus' parable, and he noted that the son, who is most expected to understand and do God's will, it's relating to the religious leadership, the ones who are most versed in the scriptures, who most should understand God's will, they don't get it. They fail to see God's work in Jesus. While the son least expected to understand and do God's will, he says that is the one most culturally despised by the rest of us. That one acknowledges God's work in John the Baptist and in Jesus Christ. Another scholar notes that this week we see more clearly how Jesus' ministry of transformation offends those with a vested interest in keeping the status quo. That Jesus' ministry of transformation most offends those who are most interested in keeping things the way they are. I think that invites us to think about today, are there places where we don't want systems to change or we don't want things to change because we are benefiting from how they are now? It's something to think about. I remember several years ago reading an article about someone who was a part of a church, and he shared this in the article. He was a part of a church, and he got really upset at how his church was welcoming a certain group of people into their community. He was really upset by this because he didn't think his church should be welcoming them. And so he went to his pastor, and he complained about it. And his pastor invited him to go home and to read the Gospels and to pay special attention to what does Jesus do, where does Jesus do it, go, with whom does Jesus spend his time. And the man actually went home, and he did that. He read the Gospels. He paid attention to everything that Jesus said and did, and he came back, and he was completely changed. He said he realized that his church was walking in the way of Jesus Christ. They were welcoming people as Jesus would. And then he joined in that ministry. That is living not with the authority of our own assumptions in our lives, but that's living with the authority of Jesus Christ. There are times when I've heard people say, talk about like what the Bible would say or what they know Jesus would stand for, and they clearly haven't found that in the Bible or read that in the Gospels. And perhaps unsurprisingly, what they say Jesus stands for seems remarkably like what they want to stand for. And the thing is, we all do this at times. Instead, we want our lives and our actions to be shaped humbly by following Jesus. It invites us to ask, what is it that really is shaping our life and our faith? Is it the authority we give to ourselves? Do our politics, and I'm talking to everyone on all ends of the spectrum, do our politics or our own assumptions end up shaping our faith and our belief? Or does our faith in Jesus shape how we live out our politics? Does our faith rewrite some of the assumptions that we have? If our faith never rewrites some of the assumptions we have, then we may need to go back and listen humbly for Jesus. And I'm talking to myself as well. Because Jesus' word is constantly working on us and working change in us so that we can see things in a new way. We can say what we believe, but if we don't live it, that might not be what we're, we're actually believing. I think about our mission statement, thank God, share Jesus, 
help others? Does our church fully live that? I think there's definitely ways we do. How about us, us as individuals? Are we living that? Because the church isn't just coming here to this building whenever we come here, but we are the church every time we leave here. And in our day-to-day lives, are we thanking God, sharing Jesus, helping others? If we aren't living that out, it might just be nice words that we say. So again, what things do we give authority over our lives? If we change directions a little bit, a different way that we give things authority, there was a writer for the New York Times who once wrote about going through a traumatic event in his life. He was seven years old, and I think something happened to a family member, and he was angry. When he was 20, 13 years later, he decided he was going to enact revenge. And on his way to enacting revenge for what happened to him, he all of a sudden thought to himself, what are you doing? You can't keep living your life this way. Yes, this has been bad, but you deserve to live in spite of it. You have a life, and you can't give this thing so much power over that life that it takes that life away. What he realized after 13 years had passed was that he kept giving this event, this authority over his life and his future. The future was open, and it could be shaped in a new way. God calls and invites us into that new future, one that doesn't have to be shaped by our assumptions about other people or about how we think things should work. It doesn't have to be shaped by our regrets or our resentments of the past, but a future shaped by our baptismal identity as children of God and Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, for whom our Lutheran church gets its name, he used to struggle with various things. And when he was going through a particularly difficult time, when he was overcome with worry and doubt, he would yell out to himself, I am baptized. His assurance in that time, the thing that had authority over his life and his future, was not his past mistakes or past failings. It wasn't words that others said about him, even those in power. But the authority in that instant over his life was Jesus Christ, who God had claimed him to be as this child of God in his baptism, something that Jude and Sadie are going to experience later today. What is it that really shapes us? What assumptions are we each clinging to? Maybe it's assumptions about others or how life should be. Where might the Holy Spirit be working to help us understand things in a new way or to be more fully shaped by Jesus? Or think of the thing that you most regret or resent from the past. If that one thing no longer weighed on you, if it didn't keep hanging over you, what would you or what could you do? Freed from that one thing, what would life be like? And sometimes we also need God's help through a counselor or through a life coach to help us get through that, to be freed from that thing. But in the end, no level of brokenness or hurt has to shape our future, but only our God who calls us to new life again and again and again. In the end, what is it that's worthy of having authority in our lives and of our future? We know it's Jesus, Jesus alone who overturned the tables of the money changers to show that there's a different way. Jesus, who died at the hands of his enemies, praying for them 
instead of igniting holy revenge on them. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, that even death could not defeat him. Jesus, who promises that our worth, our life, our future is certainly in God's care. May that authority be what defines us and shapes our lives and our actions today and every single day ahead. Amen.